My racing career isn't just about me. It's about the team, the fans, the sponsors, the families, the tracks, the whole sport. Join us over the next five months on the Junior Nation Appreciation Tour, where we show appreciation to where it's owed. This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. Hey everybody, this is Dylan Hart Jr. with another episode of the Dale Jr. Download with Tyler Overstreet. That was The Dangerous Summer with the song Sins. Thanks to Hopeless Records for providing that. So how's it going, Tyler? It's a good Tuesday for me. How's it for you? It's a good Tuesday. Yeah, buddy. Really? Yeah. What's going on? Uh, a lot. <laughs> it's a busy day, but yeah. might as well start it off good. Well, you sound like something good's happening in your life. What's going on? Nothing. Oh. Just living. You're just having a good day. Yeah. Well, it's only 8.13, and I'm having yeah, a Yeah, it is early. Um, in this show, later we're going to try to give tr- uh, Martin Trix Jr. a call. I'm going to text him right now so that uh, he you, is ready. Do you think we're 50-50 on him answering? Um, we'll see if he responds to this text. Yesterday in our conversation, he seemed to uh, seemed to be more maybe 60-40 that oh. he was going to answer. Wow. So I told him I'd have to, uh, don't make me reach out to Sherry. Yeah, I you don't want to do that. You don't have to go to the big guns. Yeah. So let's talk about Chicago. Finished 17th. Um, we got behind early in the race. We struggled with that car all uh, weekend, man. It wasn't very good. Um, not for a lack of effort. I mean, we changed pretty much everything. We had a really good plan, I thought, Saturday going into practice. We sat down and came up with a lot of changes we wanted to make, how we were going to use our tires. We had this great plan, ready to go. Uh, went through the, both practices, trying everything uh, that we thought was going to help us. And at the end of that second practice or the final practice, we are just as lost as, as we were when we showed up. And um, I wasn't very confident, but uh, cooled off, took a break. Uh, sat down with Greg for a while and talked about some ideas. We leaned on the 24 a little bit, who was pretty fast. The uh, 48 also wasn't very good, and he leaned on the 24 as well, I think, and they, they seemed to get a decent finish out of their car. But the race started off pretty much how the rest of the weekend went. We got behind pretty early, and uh, we got a little fortunate on a uh, wave around to get a lap back and then about the second half of the race the car actually came to life and ran pretty good so uh, I was pretty happy about that we actually drove by the 18 and the 3 on one of those restarts and was in position for the lucky dog which might have been able to give us opportunity to actually run as well as I think the car was capable of running had we got that lap back Um, certainly uh, you know 17th isn't anything to brag about or, or be too excited about but uh, from where the car started at the week at the beginning of the weekend and at the start of the race to where it finished, I was pretty uh, surprised. Actually, would be a good word to describe um, how the car was driving at the end of the race. Uh, Martin Trex Jr., who we we're going to try to talk to here in a bit, he has not responded to the text yet. He finished uh, first. This is his fifth 
uh, win of the season. Yeah. Right? He's up to like 55 playoff points. Right. So the um, the thing about that is, and I, I know it's un- unlikely, but if the other guys behind him that do have playoff points as well, so who else, who, who else has playoff points? So like Larson, Bush. Yeah. If, the, if any of those guys don't make it to Homestead, that lead grows without Martin ever doing a thing, right? Well, like if they don't advance to the next round, because once you get to That's Homestead, it's straight up, yeah. If they don't make it to Homestead, right? Like, then that lead grows, right? So right so, now, his lead's probably twenty-five over Larson, right? But if Larson were to fall out, then right. it's thirty-five yeah. over, yeah. Then his opportunity to get to the next round gets even better without him doing anything, right? Uh, that's really interesting. There's this, the, you know, that I really like the playoff points. I really like the stages. I think that NASCAR. Oh, we got a text. Okay, he says. So he's ready. Uh, it's eight seventeen. I told him I we'd call him at eight thirty, but we'll see. We may push that back about five minutes. Do you like that they carry over in each round? Yeah. To reward him for how well he's done all season, because last year he was in a similar situation. And he blew up that one race in the second round and was out. Yep. So really, I think them carrying over is because of that happening right. last year. Yep. So I think that uh, I'm all I'm I'm good with it. I think it makes it more interesting. I think it makes it funner to follow. Uh, what you need, though, I guess, what's important, I guess, is like year after year after year, will it sustain this interest? Will it sustain this, uh, you know, this intrigue? Right. That's what we want, right? Um, we change it every year to create intrigue and create interest. We need it to sustain that. I and like where they're at. I, I hope they can stick with it for... Yeah. I love the stages, and another reason why I like the stages, people are all, you know, what about what about these stages? Do you like them? Got asked that this weekend at one of our uh, Q&A sessions. One thing about the stages that I think is interesting, and I know this sounds trivial, but NASCAR struggled for a really, really long time trying to create a fantasy platform. There's millions of yes. dollars in fantasy sports, right? Yeah. Look at the look at NFL. They make there's millions of dollars in if that not industry. Billions, <laughs> huh? If not billions, right? Yeah. So NASCAR struggled to find a way to make fantasy fun. We get scored at the end of the race and at the end of the race only. Right. So how do you you know how do you make that fun? So the stages provide an opportunity for for NASCAR to have a legitimate fantasy platform for drivers to actually score points in the middle of the race. So you're watching the race and seeing your team or your teams do well and uh, fantasy play out before your eyes, much like when you're watching an NFL game and, you know, your you're running back scores a touchdown, boom, right. four, six points, whatever. I mean, that's not why they created it, but it's a fringe benefit. It's not why, but I think yeah. it's, uh, that's one reason why I really like the stages. Right, because if I'm a fan... I can watch that, like you said. Think about think about how many think about how many people play fantasy football that weren't football fans. I can name several right. that are in a few leagues of ours that didn't watch any games and now watch all the games right. because they're in fantasy. Right, you're and like only oh, because they're in fantasy. I've got that guy going tonight. Yeah. So yeah, I got uh, my my wife Amy. We got they got a girls' league. None of those girls watched football. Now they all watch football. Right. As many games as they watch. And think about what, you know, think about what that could do for NASCAR, which is, you know, trying to, you know, trying to tackle a new demographic or trying to get new fans. 
there's a great opportunity there. Anyways, back to Chicago, back to Truex. There's a lot of conversation about tires. NASCAR took some tires during the race, dump them in this bucket uh, of water or whatever. Yeah. There's uh, all kinds of ideas and rumors. Um, so they say they've done it a, multiple times. I've never seen this tent. It was like a shady looking yeah. little tent where right. you couldn't see inside of it. Yep. Um, it looks like now the NFL has one on the sidelines, and that's where they take an injured player. Uh-huh. So that was the weird part, I think, yeah. is actually showing the tent. It may right. very well have been there all year, but that was the first time I've seen, and I know that they showed the tent. Yep. Obviously, they're dunking the tire to see if there's any leaks because you can basically take a tiny, tiny, tiny drill bit and drill a hole in the sidewall of a tire, and it won't leak any air until it reaches a certain amount of pressure, and it basically is like a bleeder. Uh, it'll bleed down and keep the tire pressure low, keep gripping the car. Uh, this is, you know, bleeders. I ran bleeders. They were legal in the late model series. So it's very similar to a, a bleeder. And it's, it's this rumor that, you know, anytime anybody runs fast, the, you know, there's people start tagging all kinds of reasons why this guy's fast. The, the pinhole in the sidewall of the tire, that little trick's been, floating around in the rumor mill and tagged to several, several teams over the last 20 years. I mean, this is nothing new, not a new phenomenon, but NASCAR is trying to get a little more clever about trying to keep, uh, keep everyone honest. I like it. Um, I was thinking, so they're taking the tires from 78. People are saying the Toyotas have all this power. Do you think that Truex gets enough credit for how good he is? Because people are like, damn, that 78 car is fast. Cole Pern's a genius. Do you, I don't feel like Truex is getting enough credit for how good he is. Yeah, I mean, I think that... Because uh, obviously he, he's a two-time Xfinity champion. Yeah. You know, the record will show that he's won a lot of races, uh, that he's accomplished a lot. If he can come out of here a champion, I don't think anybody's going to deny... Uh, his ability and deny, you know, giving him credit, but in the thick of the battle, in the middle of the season, uh, there's a lot of things flying around. Uh, there's a lot happening. And so maybe the, um, yeah, the focus is a little bit too much on parts and pieces and cars and manufacturers and teams and less on the drivers. And, uh, the sport should, should be all, all about the drivers, right? You know, uh, all about the personalities. That's how fans get connected. I mean, the fans do care about manufacturers. The fans are interested in the crew chiefs. They are interested in what's happening in the industry and the technology and so forth. And it is, it does make you curious as to how teams are engineering speed. Right. Um, that's always been interesting to everyone for you know any hardcore fan. But the sport should be about its faces. Uh, it you know. F- Drivers and personalities make fans, create fan bases. Because regardless of how good that car is, you still got to get around the track. And you still have to, on these restarts, you have to not make the mistakes and get yourself in trouble. So I just feel like he should get a little more credit for how talented he is versus how good that car is, which obviously the car is awesome. I think he'll get his credit. Um, I think he's getting some of that credit. Maybe we don't see it as much because of the – the you know how loud the other conversation is about you know whether it's manufacturers or what have you uh, or cars being legal and so forth. I mean that's there's a lot of hubbub about all that and you know the the simple conversation of wow Truex is a great driver is probably not the loudest conversation today. But 
One of the conversations Sunday was after the race, which we've talked about it on this show before. Yeah. Um, he did a very exuberant burnout yep. and ultimately blew out the tire. So the, I did not do the research, but we believe here that, and, and talking to some other folks in the media, that the last person to do a uh, to win a race without blowing out the rear tires was way back the first Pocono? Yeah, which would have been Blaney. mid-June. That's a long time ago. That's a lot of burnouts with blown tires. Yeah, that's probably, what, 12, yeah. 13 races at least? Yeah. And it's my opinion that the blown tires are its own purpose. It's not a... Not a um, coincidence. It's not a coincidence or accidental, you know. So I remember back when... Uh, I remember 15, 20 years ago, we did burnouts all the time after winning a race and nobody blew tires out. Now everybody blows the tires out and you tear the car up. Like you blew the tire out that one time at Richmond. Yeah. But that wasn't... That was just getting a little too excited yeah i'd seen someone do it a couple weeks before and i thought you know what? i'm gonna do it till it blows out the tire i want to try that so but after that i mean we won some races and didn't blow the tires yeah. out if you won a race now would you blow the hell out of that tire i guess i would if i was told to yeah when do you have that conversation i don't know because you can't it's not like you can be like you know blow the tire yeah they can't say that on the radio no i think you have to have it in Right, you privacy. Would have, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's. Uh, I mean, if there is anything to the conspiracy that it's done purposely, right? Then, you know, the conversation has happened in private. So, does that get you some wiggle room in the tech inspection? Well, I think that if you, I mean, obviously, if you blow the tires, you tear out the crush panels. Uh, if you unseal the crush panel in a race car, it creates downforce. If you unseal the interior a little bit, it creates downforce. You remember when Carl Edwards won at uh, Vegas and the oil cover was popped off? Mm -hmm. uh, that creates downforce. I mean, that was a purpose. That right. was purpose, uh, purposely done because it when the when you can bleed air into the interior of the car, it just creates some additional downforce. So there are a lot of creative ways to, you know, sort of manipulate these cars uh it's genius really to be honest with you and we've we've gotten to the point in the sport where we have to work that hard to get that advantage so part of me um part of me really appreciates the ingenuity and the thought process behind it and whoever figured it out is i'm you know it's impressive but so if you tear up the back of the car it's harder to tech and Obviously, you get to jack the car up and put new tires on it. What happens during that process? And you can take, you know, you can drag that out as long as you want. Um, I think does the Indy car does F one uh, F one basically confiscates the cars as soon as they come across the finish line and win the race. They put them in this little area and they don't let anyone touch the cars until they can be inspected. I know that they like park the top three cars like right. in a gated off yeah. area. So yeah, and the crews can't get near them. The crews are sort of ganged around this song, you know, packed around this fence. Right. Celebrating with the drivers. It's kind of a, it's, 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 a, it's, I don't say awkward, but it's a weird sort of. Right. Like you can look at your car, <laughs> but you can't touch it's it. It's kind of a weird little moment in this great celebration. Yeah. But uh, they, they confiscate the cars to where nothing can happen to the cars. Nothing can be touched and done. Uh, 
in our sport, we can burn the tires off of it and blow it up and tear the quarter panels off and come driving into the pits with the tires flat. And uh, we go to Victory Lane and jump and celebrate it all around the race car. The car can be jacked up to put tires on it so it can go over the LIS machine uh, by the team. Meanwhile, everyone else in the, that finished the race is out on pit road, crews, crew members walking around their cars. Um, we walked around our car after the race for 15 minutes without an inspector in sight. Right. So, I mean, six, seven, eight crew members standing around the cars. So it's a much different environment. Do you think that that in our like, sport, are they eventually going to get to the point where they're going to be like, Hey, park way out by the grass. Nobody can do it. The driver part walks of me, to you. So, all right. So part of me wants to, part of me wishes that it was a stricter policy but then there's half of me that um, there's part of me that says, be careful what you wish for, because we are the rule book and everything in the rules are so tight today that uh, you remember how the cars used to look, say 2002, 2004, how cars were all twisted up and the bodies were all, you know, the tail pieces were slid way over. Um, you had the big giant left front fender, right front fender. The body men in the car in the sport had gotten so creative, and there was you had areas to work to get an advantage. If you were a good, smart person in whatever particular expertise you ha- you worked in, you could be creative and be an asset to your team, bring something to the table, make your car better, make your team stronger. With the rules that we have today, and the templates and the LIS, LIS machine. There's not a lot of areas where teams can work and be creative, you know, so you don't get to see that ingenuity quite as much. Uh, so part of me kind of, part of me really ap- appreciates that ingenuity, engineering, uh, tricking the rule book, finding loopholes, tricking the inspectors, snookering the sport in a right. sense. Um, part of me is like, well, bravo impressive uh but then there you know then there's some sometimes it's i don't know it's some of the some of the more blatant stuff i guess the tires blowing out the tires during burnouts is something that i think they could police they could just say don't burn your don't blow your tires out you can do a burnout yeah you're not gonna blow your tire out you know what you're doing yeah if you blow the tire then your you're ass d- better if- go across lis like that yeah i think if you blow the tire yes you have to go across tech like that yeah um but I think they could they could do a few things to limit, you know, some of the more blatant stuff. But another um, controversy over the weekend was Brad Keselowski That's versus right. Toyota. Um, as a Chevrolet driver, or I guess I mean Chevrolet, Ford, whatever, non-Toyota driver. So Brad Keselowski says, after first practice, Jeff Gluck tweeted, "Toyota was one, two, three, four fastest so brad tweeted we're all in for a rude awakening i haven't seen nascar let a manufacturer get this far ahead since the 1970s yep which brad somebody pointed out brad wasn't alive in the 70s (laughs) (laughs) i think cole pern pointed that cole pern said that but then somebody said i didn't know you had to be alive in a certain era to know anything about it right because like you're a student of the sport and you watch so is brad brad's a pretty good student of the sport and kyle bush promptly and not shockingly responded STFU, yeah, which isn't a friendly way of telling him to shut up. And Denny Hamlin told him to focus on his own program. Yeah, as somebody not driving Toyota, 
are you like, man, they've they're way ahead, or do you think it's the Gibbs Furniture Row team specifically that are ahead? All right. So when I heard them comments, I, <clears throat> you know, I see Fords in the top ten in practice. I see Fords finishing in the top ten in in the race. I see Chevys up there. I see Toyotas up there. Who is the strongest team in the sport today? Uh, definitely Gibbs. Uh, the, you could say Toyotas, but it's really Gibbs. It's Gibbs and their alliance with the 78 team, the 77 team. They are the strongest team in the sport. Um, they have done their homework. Basically, you had a, a bit of a perfect storm. Gibbs has a – I think Gibbs has a really – uh, good way of working together as four teams. Uh, how they and this starts on you know this starts in the shop. They build their cars together. They work together and share information together in the shop. This is also what HMS does, but this is a you know they do it really well. They they work together in the shop, share information. All the cars share information. All the all you know the company really works as one to put four cars on the racetrack. And then they go to the track. They've done a really good job cultivating their talent, bringing up their engineers to crew chiefs and so forth, and replacing their engineers with better, with good engineers and so forth. They work all their guys through the Xfinity Series, much like we do here at Junior Motorsports through HMS. So it's just a really good system that they have to get their guys really sharp and smart to be able to provide their drivers very, very good race cars. On top of that, they made an alliance with the 78 team, who was a dominant Chevy. Right, like he made the championship four driving Chevys right. with an RCR line. So they basically aligned with one of the other powerhouses. I, I know people don't look at the 78 or didn't look at the 78 at the time as the best team in the sport, but he was definitely up there. Um, and they also, uh, tra- you know, they also trade information back and forth with that team. So they take some of their ideas. And this is what, you know, this is what goes on in the sport year after year after year. You take someone else's idea you bring it in, you let your engineers look at it and go, yeah, that's a great idea, but I'm going to make it better. And that's what everybody in the sport does. So the 78 team, Furniture Row, and Gibbs basically shared their best ideas. Each one took it, engineered a little bit better, and they just rose together. You know, So this is a bit of a perfect storm. They're all enjoying and sharing the fruits of that labor. Um. But like for I, to point out how equal it, I mean the Toyotas are the top guys right now. But Sunday's top ten, there's three Toyotas, four Chevys, three Fords. Right. In the chase, there's four Toyotas, seven Chevrolets, and five Fords. Yeah. I mean, granted, there's six legitimate Toyotas, and four of them made the chase. But I mean, it's like you said, it's specifically that program. Yeah. It's not. It's not Toyota. It's right. that team. Right. So, which Hendrick's been the lead dog for a long time. I agree. I think that Brad, Brad's smart. Yep. He didn't. He didn't just go say these comments to be, um, you know, just be running off the mouth. Uh, he he's very smart. He's going to use every advantage he can on the racetrack and off the racetrack. He sees the opportunity to talk to the media if he want. If he wants. You know, if he's thinking in his head, you know what? I'd like NASCAR to take a little more uh, time to focus on the Toyotas and what they're doing, and in, in, in whether it's in the tech process or what have you. Well, he did that. He he basically planted that seed with his comments. He's pretty smart. I think that that was a calculative 
move by him. Brad is super smart. And he's done this in the past. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is a, this is his M.O. when it comes down to championship season is he's going to fight not only on the racetrack but with psychological warfare as, as well. In yeah. his, you know, as well as he possibly can. Yeah, because he's a great race car driver too and he's super smart. Yeah. And he's always thinking <laughs> yeah. like strategies yeah. and different things. What can I say in the media today that's, right. that – that will be in a, you know that might give me an advantage or at least right create Which, a conversation. He he wanted to create a conversation about that. He succeeded. Um, I like that he's not afraid to do that. I think that every sport needs that, especially right. our sport. Right. All right, so we're going to talk about that a little bit with our next uh, with our guest here. You want to call Truex? We'll you got his it. number? Nope. All right. Let me send that to you. Hello. Well, I'll be damn. Is this Martin Trix Jr.? Come in. Yeah, who's this? This is Dale Jr. How you doing? Hey, Dale Jr. How are you? Are you awake yet? Yeah, I'm awake. Are How you long yet? have you been awake? I got, I, I got up just for you, buddy. Are you still What's in bed? What's going on? No, I'm not. Are I'm you outside. Not? Oh, you're outside? Yeah. I hear you. All right, so this is... uh. <laughs> We're interviewing you in a set in a segment we call Three Questions With, and um, we've been talking about Chicago. We've been talking about uh, your success, and um, Tyler doesn't think you get enough credit as a driver. A lot of the focus and the conversation in the sports, obviously, around manufacturers, around teams, around sure. uh, crew chiefs, and so forth. Um, but you're seeing a, you know, you had a couple. Uh, couple of solid years here so far with the uh, Furniture Row guys. And now uh, a lot of people are looking at you as, pro you know, I guess you could say that you're the favorite to win the championship, especially coming out of the box, winning the first race in the in the playoffs. And you're carrying such a comfortable uh, lead going into uh, each round with these playoff points. Um, how does that feel? Like this is the first opportunity, I think the best opportunity you've really had to win the championship. Um how does that feel with all these playoff points, um, all this momentum going into uh, the playoffs and coming out and winning Chicago right out of the gate? Well, it feels great. I mean, you know, I think if you look at it, that's you know, that's where everybody wants to be, and that's where everybody's been working towards all year. So, um, you know, to be that guy in that position feels feels amazing. It's it's been uh, it's been an unbelievable season, and it just seems like it keeps getting better. So. Um, yeah, I feel I feel great about where we're at. Our team's performing well. We're, you know, obviously uh, we've got speed everywhere we go. I think, you know, I think about the the rest of the tracks coming up, and I feel really good about all those. And um, and we'll just see. I mean, you know, the with the eliminations and and it all coming down to um, just the one race for all the marbles. I think there's, it, you know, it's kind of hard to pick a favorite just because I mean, you know, how racing is one race. To determine at all you never know what can happen but at the same time i think that uh you know we've got a great shot at it and uh you know we're just take it one race at a time and see where it all where it all uh falls do you guys have an opportunity to go to i know there's a test at homestead for several teams are you guys part of that yeah we plan on going to that right that'll be a big deal um, for, for all the guys that are in the playoffs i think that 
Um, you know, you've had some pretty good runs at Homestead. Uh, sure. It's a racetrack that I think it, uh, me and you both enjoy, especially being able to run against that fence. But it seems like everybody's yeah. figured out how to get get up there and do that these days. So it's a little bit more <laughs> a little bit more difficult to pass these guys. But do you look at Homestead? I know that you know you still got a lot of racing in between now and then. But when you look at Homestead, mm -hmm. where do you rank that track as 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 a competitor? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, like you said, I think everybody's kind of figured the place out. It's gotten. I think it's gotten more difficult over the years to run there. I think the, you know, the wall um, has gotten harder to run just because I think the last couple of years it seems like you need to be closer to it, and especially in, in turns one and two, I feel like it's gotten bumpier up there. That's made it more difficult. Um, I think, honestly, that um, if you can figure out a way to run down, you know, half a lane off the wall making car work i think that's going to be the way to go but we'll just have to wait and see um yeah i'm not real sure but i feel good going there it's been a, a good track for us over the years i i know that two years ago we didn't run very well there but last year i thought we made some big gains and we got uh we got tore up in the race um you know pretty early on and uh and still had a pretty good run going after that until until the last wreck so i feel okay going there um testing there is kind of I don't know how to feel about that. I feel like we run better at places when we don't test, to be honest with you. So we'll see how that goes. But looking forward to uh, to it. And I think I think we're in a pretty good spot to be able to get there. 10-4. All right, last question. Um, where I'm kind of curious as to where your priorities are at this moment in your life because we had all these hunting trips planned that we planned much earlier uh, in the year, and now you're starting to back out of several of them. Um, me and you own some property together, which I think is amazing, and and we have a lot of fun with that. Considering, um, you know, obviously, all jokes aside, your your um, racing's number one, but a lot of fans know you're a big time hunter. How do you squeeze in a, a few opportunities to get in the stand uh, during such a hectic time in the season? And does does actually getting in the stand and hunting, I, I, you know, I, I I think it's very therapeutic and opportunity to kind of clear your mind and it's a little, you know, it's kind of nice to sit up there and just kind of think about things. And sometimes you sort out some of you, some of the some of the things going on in your life. But uh, how do you find a time to mm -hmm. get in the tree stand uh, during the during the playoffs? Uh, it's definitely not easy, as you know. Um, Especially, you know, it seems like the last couple of years has gotten harder. I think the, the more success you have, the more you're kind of engaged with your team and the more you got going on, especially during the week. So it's, it's a little more difficult. But I try can to get out and, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, hunting or fishing anywhere, really nice to get away and get somewhere where your phone is turned off <laughs> and uh, just disconnect. I agree 100% with you that it, that helps a lot. I think it helps keep you focused. It helps especially if you had a bad week, um, you know, it helps you just kind of forget that and, and kind of flip forward and think about the next one coming up and what you got to do to, you know, maybe figure out how to run better or, you know, put a bad week behind you or, you know, figure out those kind of things. So um, I think outdoors and getting away is, is probably one of the best ways to recharge and regroup and kind of refocus. And, uh, you know, I wish I wish we could find more time to do it, especially now with you know having our own place and everything it's been it's been awesome so uh looking forward to it but you know i think in uh 
you know, someday we'll have all the time in the world, <laughs> hopefully. Oh, yeah. But uh, you just, you never know, so you try to get it in while you can. Yeah. Well, I remember just wasn't a few years ago that you were bragging how you didn't have too many appearances, and I know you're busy as hell these days, so it's kind of nice to see the shoe on that foot. Um yeah, for sure. <laughs> so enjoy it, man. We're going to be pulling for you. you got a lot of fans over here at Dirty Mo Radio, a lot of friends, and uh, we'll be watching you throughout these playoffs and uh, wishing you well. Thanks for uh, allowing us to give you a holler, and uh, we'll see you at the racetrack. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Good talking to you, pal. All right. All right, we're going to get to the Ask Junior questions. As always, we take these questions using the hashtag Ask Junior. We're joined by Mike Davis, who is running the Facebook Live and pulling questions from there as well. All right, you ready? As ready as we're ever going to be. Corn wit. He submitted a question before. <laughs> Corn wit. Corn wit. <laughs> it's Cole Witt's uh, a secondary Twitter account, I bet. That's his uh, burner Twitter? Yeah, his burner Twitter. I saw, I saw something in the news this week, by the way, like Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, think he has has a, a, Kevin Durant has like a fake account right. so he can go around hyping himself. Oh, I heard it was to troll people, like well, to, yeah, same to go thing. at haters. But he's like, also like, man, Kevin Durant's awesome. Is that <laughs> is that a good idea? This is not Cornwit's question. I'm asking uh, this. I don't is think it's a good idea to be found out. Right. Yeah, if they find oh, out. So, did you just suggest perhaps that you have a burner account? That I you do just not don't have want? one. But I was laying, me and Amy were going to bed last night and we were talking about it. And I was like, she was like, I was telling her about it. And she was like, oh my God. And I said, yeah, I'm kind of glad I don't have one. Because <laughs> that, I'd feel pretty stupid. I have a theory that Dale Jr. was on Twitter way before he made his first public yeah. debut. I had no he, idea how to use it. Yeah, he but see, this is what I, let fast. me just tell you what would happen. You know, we'd be at Bristol Motor Speedway, Darlington, pick your track, whatever, and he'd be like, why did you post a picture of me wearing that hat? And I'm like, that was two weeks ago. How do you know about that? Well, it took me that long to find out. I mean, if, it, if, I, was already on, on Twitter, yeah, if I was already on Twitter, I'd ask you that day when you posted it. That would have been too obvious, though. Right. I'm not that calculative. I'm not ca- calculative. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not over here <laughs> plotting everything that comes out of my mouth. So you said you did not have a Twitter account just to kind of I promise, look in on people. I promise to the Lord that I did not have, and I know you're a deacon, so you could take this, <laughs> you could take this as, as fact. All right. I guess we'll get to Cornwit's question now. Only 33 drivers started 23-plus regular season races this year. And 16 made the playoffs a huge percentage. Should the playoff field be reduced? Sure. Why not? I mean, who, we've gone from 10 to 12 to 16. I think 12 All right, was so, a good number. I, I thought 12 was a pretty good number, too. Um, but we're going to get there anyways. I mean. After three races. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A couple more races, it'll be 12. Yeah. I, um, Corn wit, just be patient. Yeah. Just wait Hold three up. weeks and you'll see. <laughs> but I look at uh, the NFL and uh, NBA, the NBA. I mean, they half the league gets into the playoffs. Yeah, sixteen of thirty NBA teams. Yeah, twelve of thirty-two NFL. So there you go. Yeah, um, I- I'm good with where it is. It-, it doesn't really make a difference to me, I guess. I mean, the guys that should get knocked out will probably get knocked out in the first round, anyways. Damn. I think he's dogging them. 
I'm not. Yeah, I'm just felt saying. like it. I'm felt like saying. a felt like oh. a dig to me. A little harsh. Hey, I like your honesty though. When it happens, it'll <laughs> you'll be like, "Yep, that guy probably shouldn't." You and Truex. Anyways, you don't think there'll be any surprises? Mm, there's I mean, always one surprise because somebody will wreck or something yeah. will happen. But do you want to make a prediction on who the surprise? Will who be? the surprise? Who is the guy that should be in the last round that will not make it past the second round? Mm. I don't want to say because I might hurt someone's feelings. Oh, good gracious! You're a great host on a podcast. Let me tell you, you don't you care about people's feelings? There's no feelings here. <laughs> we got no feelings. He, we just be, woke up Truex. It might be the eleven. Denny, he, he's fast. You're worried about Denny's feelings? Well, I don't. I got friends at Gibbs. I don't want them to be mad oh, at me. Gracious, his brother, your brother. My brother works at Penske. So, oh, <laughs> jeez, he didn't mention any Penske drivers. No, didn't do that. Well, don't, wanna, only, don't, don't want to upset anybody two. over Penske. They'll be fine. Keselowski ran like fifth the other day, six something like that. I wouldn't. I mean, I you know nothing against Denny, but I think I wouldn't be that. I don't think that's a. I don't think that's like a shocker if Denny yeah. didn't make it to the last round. I think. Yeah. He well, could, I, was, I think he could or he couldn't. I think it's fifty fifty that he gets there. I mean, I think. I think the, it'd be more surprising. Maybe seventy eight, eighteen, forty two, forty two. Is there a fourth? Like Alpha Dog? Yeah. Maybe the four? Maybe the four, yeah. Four or two? I don't know. Yeah. Four or two or 11, I think that's the so fourth guy. So I think the guy. three that you we mentioned, that would be one of those shockers. If Maybe the 42 doesn't make it, that'd be pretty shocking. Yeah, because he he's got a lot of playoff points. Yeah. I just, it's I don't so weird. Think, I think that, you know. It's going to be hard for those Kyle guys Bush not to. I think Kyle Busch and the 78 are locked to get to Homestead. And I think the 42 is too, because he has so many bonus points. Yeah. I think that that is going to – So that is why, I mean, that fourth spot could be anybody's. Right. Denny's, anyone's. Right. Because he has that encumbered win. If he had those extra five points, he might make it. Yeah, mm. he might. He put a tweet out this week that had encumbered in it. He did. did. you see that? Yeah. Yeah, because he was, he was suggesting that that's how he was trying to yeah, yeah. NASCAR say that NASCAR That was his favorites. justification on yeah. how they're not having uh, Toyota favoritism yeah. going yeah. on. All right, good – Question, Good luck, wit. Denny, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Drummer69 asks, when a company changes manufacturers, are the drivers required to change their personal cars as well? Yeah. I mean, I I know I have a very close friend that I share a uh, airport hangar with, and I have he has changed manufacturers, and he drives different vehicles. I mean, that's on, logical. You support the people that support yeah, you. Yeah. Plus, they probably give you a free yeah. one. So it would be dumb. Yes, I mean, he gets a <laughs> yeah. the, he he uh, imagine gets a yeah. a free truck. So right. <laughs> yeah, if they're gonna give it to you free, you'll change. Right, yeah. Exactly, <laughs> you'll change. TDB eighty three. Wonder what that stands for. The dirt Two. bag. The dirt bag eighty three. <laughs> <laughs> Were you really thinking dirt? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Are you bummed about leaving full-time cup racing before breaking Bill Elliott's most popular driver record? You're at 14 and he has 16. Now, I, uh, before you say that anything, I want you to know we get this question a lot. Like it bothers really? it bothers junior fans that they didn't they're not going to get that you could be the Bill most, Elliott record. You could oh, be man. the most popular driver of all time. Oh, now I feel bad. <laughs> yeah, you ought to. I feel Three like more a years. little nauseous <laughs> about this now. Thank you. Uh, Did this come into your mind? I at never all? thought about it. Yeah, I never thought about it. I, um, uh, yeah, I, don't, I mean, it. 
I would be it would be it would it would be sticking around only for that, and that would be wrong, or that wouldn't feel re- really the, like the right thing to do. So it'd feel awesome when you got that trophy. <laughs> the the well, most popular driver trophy moving forward would be a statue of you. Oh my no, god! No, it would not. With, the, with the little kid. <laughs> It's hard enough to get him to just appreciate or, or just want people to say thanks to him uh, right now on his own retirement tour. Yeah. He he doesn't even want that. So you think they're going to make a statue? He's going <laughs> to okay a statue being made of him is a, a trophy? That would be awesome. I uh I I'm completely uh thrilled with the 14 that we have. And uh you know, Bill was awesome cuz he had uh you know, that was his name. Because <laughs> he was, yeah. yep, he was awesome, awesome. Bill. I, you know, and I, I read where, um, I read where Chase Elliott said that he was glad that I wasn't going to break that record. Oh, and I can, I can understand yeah. that. I mean, there's, you know, there's part of me that, um, yeah, there's a little sliver of me that doesn't want Jimmy to win eight. You know, right? I mean, right. Absolutely. You, want, you don't just, want your dad to be second best. No, I want yeah. my dad to be. The man. I like that Jimmy tied him because I think that Jimmy and my father, I see them more as equals, and I see, you know, I think Jimmy is in definitely in the conversation of the greatest driver that's ever been in sport. Now, I'm biased because I think my dad's awesome, but um, there's part of me that doesn't, I feel the same way Chase does about, you know, his dad's, you know, 16 most popular driver awards. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think if I, you know, if I was, if, if I could see myself racing another five years, then that might be some interest, something of interest, or or I would be something I'd be super proud of if I ever did break that. But um, I, yeah, that's just a that's a long conversation, maybe for another day. But but I can I can I'm tracking with you on that. Yeah. All right, let's move on here. Uh, JC seven three zero three. Hey, what does JC stand for, Tyler? You got any any wise cracks on that one? Mm. Jesus Nothing. Christ. Jesus, good Lord. Any updates on your Key West property and renovation project home? Uh, well, everything is on hold. Um, obviously, uh, our contractor. So I'll start here. Our contractor, uh, Steve. He's got a uh, he's got an Instagram, Steve Krieger. Uh, if you wanted to go on his Instagram and see some of his. Uh, some of his posts on there they're quite interesting about he was he stayed in our house during the hurricane so he lives up in marathon or around marathon which is it's really dangerous up there the houses are a little bit further apart and uh so he and his family he has a newborn uh with his wife and they stayed in our house down in old town because the houses are very close together and they kind of shelter each other um he um, posted throughout the entire experience what was going on, and uh, we've been in contact with him. His home is uh, his home's got some damage. A lot of his family members down there, and he's a contractor, so there's a lot of other folks uh, that he does business with that need his attention and help. Uh, we have uh, put the show on pause until Steve can sort of regroup. He just needs even about a month to figure out how much of his equipment's lost and damaged and ruined and, and sort of get his self organized. Uh, so, um, we're really concerned with Steve and all of our friends. 
the infrastructure down there, Steve has told us that the infrastructure down there is is in critical shape. Uh, they had about 200 telephone poles down. Um, the uh, water system was uh, busted in several locations down through the Keys. Uh, so the there's there's no water, there's no power. It'll be quite a while before all that stuff is is secure and and safe to use. And they just recently opened up the airport for right. to allow traffic down there. They've had it closed off, and um, it's 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 really bad. You know, it's it's a it's a bad situation for a lot of people. And uh, so we're we're doing some things up here to to raise some money to help. Um, Hendrick has a uh, charitable cause that uh, folks can get involved in. HendrickRelief.org. Yep. So if you want to send some, uh, you know, send some help and some relief down to the Keys, you can uh, you can go to that website and and donate. So we've been raising money there for a couple of weeks now, for not only Key West but also for the Houston folks uh, and the folks in Texas. But um, yeah, so that's how. I mean, really, we're just sitting. We're just like, hey, shut it, you know, turn it off. Let's just wait till everything sort of gets sorted out and the keys can get back on their feet and get going again. Um, I can't wait to get down there and, and see everybody. And uh, that place is, they're very resilient people though. And this isn't, you know, uncharted territory for them. They've dealt, you know, the keys has a history of, of, you know, and it will be back dealing, better dealing than ever. With, it has a history of dealing with situations like this and yeah. they'll bounce right back. So, um, all my conk friends down there thinking about y'all. I saw Jimmy was down there doing. Some yeah, work Jimmy with Lowe's. went down there with Martin Marty Smith. Yeah, uh, for Lowe's. Yeah, and uh, got us got to see firsthand some of the destruction and devastation. It's pretty severe. It's rough. Yeah, it's rough. All right. Um, good question there. Uh, TRD seventy eight asks: Have you ever thought about running Chase Elliott or Jimmy Johnson setups? If okay. not, why not? Yeah. So this is a um, this is a conversation that we had quite a few times this weekend actually. Um, the uh, the way the cars are built, designed, um, the forty eight and the the forty eight and the eighty eight both leaned on the twenty four this weekend, and and you, it's gotten to the point to in today's technology and with the way the cars are built and set up at the shop that we can't basically perfectly copy another car's setup while we're at the track. We don't have all the things in the hauler that we need. We would have to change spindles, ball joints, all the front suspension. Um, we would have to change a lot of things that we literally don't carry. People think, oh, I'll just put, that, put his springs and shocks in. That's not... It's not that simple. And so we, you know, we can do, we can see what they're doing. We have an open database to be able to see everybody's setups. Um, and we can, you know, we all, you know, show up pretty close anyways. But um, it's not as simple as just make it just like that car you can't do that because everything you know you don't have the resources right there at your fingertips and the cars don't leave the shop with the same parts and pieces and spindles and geometry and all that stuff the whole front clips are are, are different 
Um, and the the one thing that the one thing that HMS is in the process of doing is for the longest time the 4888 was one shop and the 24 and the 5 was another shop and they had a they had um, no connector between them and so where the no matter how hard you tried to make everything the same across the whole company the two shops worked independently and they would build their cars differently they just had you know they're just different theories on what to do and how to how to do the geometry and how to put the rear end in the car and all that stuff so but what Hendrick is doing is they're going to merge the two shops together eventually over the next couple of years all the cars will be built in the same shop and so which is similar similar to Gibbs to the Gibbs model I've never been in Gibbs shop but I believe it to be similar to the Gibbs model um so that that with the goal in mind is to get the cars closer so that when you do go to the racetrack you you can you can get even closer if you do want to copy a guy's setup can you get out can you get identical no you never will be but and and Chuck and I said it this weekend in our meeting he said we're going to get as close as we possibly can um, but you'll never be able to be just like it. So if you see the 24, for example, this weekend running really well, you, you can get close to him, but you'll never be able to be identical to him. It all You have to do that on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Um, so in the shop when you're in there building the cars. So for somebody who's a fan of the 5 who didn't run that well this week and the 24 ran well, they're going to be like, well, those two are in the same shop. Yeah, I'd assume that they did not have the exact same setup. Right. But, uh, you know, you could take two great race car drivers like Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon who were in the same shop, and they did not run the same setups, and they would run side by side. You know, they, they battle each other. That famous finish to uh, – the famous finish between them at Martinsville where they're right. banging doors to the finish line, both cars probably had completely different setups in them. Right. If you put Jimmy's setup in Jeff's car, I bet Jeff wouldn't like it. If you did the same for for Jimmy, he probably wouldn't. Wouldn't he? They drive differently. They right. feel things differently. They want a different feel. Jeff likes to turn the steering wheel, and there be the car be a little snug and comfortable, and he wants to steer the car into the corner. Jimmy likes the car very loose. He likes the car to start, turn around the car without really having to move the steering wheel too much. I mean, there's just very different ways that they drive the cars. Uh, some drivers. You know, we look at the driver traces. Uh, another example, I guess, would be we used to look at the driver traces when we were paired up with uh, Stuart Haas. Right. And the four car, um, Harvick, he'd go to the racetrack and we'd see his driver trace. And there were racetracks like at Charlotte and one and two or three and four or whatever. There'd be some racetracks we'd run at and he would never come all the way off the gas. And that's just how he drives. And we would try to go out there and mimic that and it just. We just couldn't do it, you know. But we could see his setup. We could put it in, uh, but couldn't run the same speed as him. None of us. Right. It's Jimmy, me, nobody. And he'd never come off the gas at Charlotte. In what one you, and two, maybe. In, okay. You know, like he he had a way of driving the car at a lot of tracks to where he lifted maybe a little sooner, but didn't co- maybe only come back to fifty percent throttle. You know, and rode fifty percent throttle through the middle of the corner. And so you see, but, and and that's just an example. Like Jimmy drives, Jimmy comes off the throttle really slow. When I get to the, when I get to the corner, I lift hard off the throttle. Everybody has a different way of driving the cars. Everybody has a different way of using the throttle, mashing the gas, how quickly they use it, 
how and much that's just they how use. you've drove forever. Yeah. So it's not like it's, it's hard just like to... me. Like when I go in the corner, I put both hands over on the left side of the wheel and tug on it. And it's called the Arkansas pull that Mark Martin made, <laughs> made famous. Some drivers run at 10 and two. I don't know how they do that. Yeah. I don't know how you drive like this in the corner. <laughs> that feels so weird to me when I try to do that. It seems like your arms would be. Yeah. I raced at uh, Martinsville in the late models, and I looked in the mirror one time, and a guy was at uh, <laughs> 11.45 and, and 12, 12.15. I mean, I don't know how you race this way. <laughs> Dude, the school bus, yeah. So. That's crazy. All right. Good answer. Good question there. Um, let's see where we want to go here. Let's ask Johnny NASCAR's question. Besides guys you have worked with before, like Jeff Gordon and Steve Latart, who else will you seek out advice for going into the TV booth next year? It's a good question. Did you hear it? I didn't. I'm sorry. I was trying to see if Truex had tweeted me. Wait, Truex is tweeting? Well, let's let's stop right now. Let's let's find out what he's tweeting about, right? He's probably like, Dale Jr. did not ask me about Brad Kozlowski. No. (laughs) I know. I thanked Martin for um, for letting us interview him, and he ne- he didn't text back. He's like you; he doesn't he doesn't no response <laughs> to text. That's just, I, te- I said I, thanks, Grumpy. Mike didn't respond. T- like, oh wait, 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 wait. So he has not replied. Yeah, he is Grumpy. So you were just checking to see if he had replied. He has not, and so now you've texted him again and called him nope. Grumpy. No, I said thanks, Grumpy, the first time. Maybe I shouldn't have called him Grumpy. Yeah, yeah. Wow. you know what? And that's why I don't reply to you sometimes when you call me names. Mike will respond, but it'll be 12 hours later, and it'll yeah. be a, a document. Truex just probably rolled back over <laughs> like it'll be. to sleep. I'm like, right. that's a long text. I think that Martin actually just, <laughs> when he hung up the phone, he rolled over and went back to sleep. Of course he did. Yeah, of course oh, he did. I'm outside. He was not outside. <laughs> yeah. Let's I see could tell when I, walked into this, uh, when I walked into this studio and I could hear him on the speaker, that voice, that's morning voice. That's Truex yeah. morning voice. He ain't outside. He ain't out of bed. Yeah. That's what I thought. Absolutely not. All right. Did, all right. The question from Johnny Nascar was, besides guys you have worked with before like Jeff Gordon and Steve Letarte, who else will you seek out advice for before going into the booth next year? Man. Um, <clears throat> Mike. Tyler. <laughs> oh, I hope you go bigger than that. <laughs> You're going to need some more advice. Well, talking to talking to my boss Sam Flood, uh, my boss at NBC, he uh, he is he's mentioned a lot of folks that work outside of the sport that he would like to introduce me to, and that would, he would actually like to take me and uh, set me down and and have conversations with, and actually watch these people work and prepare for their jobs. So I think I'm going to be able to see a lot of things like that. Yeah, like outside of the sport. Right. I mean, like, yeah, in football and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm going to lean on Kyle Petty, Dale Jarrett, and obviously the three guys in the booth. Um, oh, you know, I'm, I got to get to know everybody. And outside of that, you know, I trust those guys because I've raced with them and they've, they've watched me grow up. And I think as I get to know, Everybody else and all, I mean, Steve Tart's been running off all kinds of names of these folks that he works with at NBC that I haven't really got to know yet. This guy's great. This guy's great. This girl's great. This girl's great. And I'm sure I'm going to have all kinds of folks that uh, I can lean on, but I'll be interested to sort of go wherever Sam Flood thinks I need to, to to see what I need to see and experience what I need to, to to get prepared. But all that kind of starts up in January, I guess. What about Ken Squire? I mean, if you're gonna go, yeah, go to the best. Yeah, Ken Squire is the one legend. of the best. Did he catch 
some flack about the way he called. What was it that he, he did? He said the Mexican. Oh, yeah. About, about Daniel the throwback. Suarez. And then he called Eric. He's like the, the boy uh, Eric Jones, right? Is that what he said, Jordan? The boy? Uh, what, what, what did he say, Jordan? It was Jones the Jones boy. Right, that Jones boy, which is just an old school way of calling yeah. him. He caught he caught flack for that too. Oh, I guess. he said, "Ha ha, you're welcome. We're still friends." <laughs> did he say? <laughs> did he say you're welcome? Like proper? Yeah. Did he or do did that? Or he say right? your? Ooh, he did. He said, <laughs> "Like you are welcome." Or I'll, I'll uh, correct him. <laughs> oh, that's worse than calling him grumpy. He, he did not. He did not use proper <laughs> proper language. <laughs> this stays Why? in. Yeah, Truex is never coming back on this show. Never. So might as well leave Nor anybody else, for that matter. <laughs> David Reagan sent me a picture of a Unical 76 ball on a trailer and wants to know how much it's worth. The guy wants 2500 bucks, Dude, that's a that, steal. That they go to you asking you what a Unical 76 ball is worth says all we need to know about Dale. He's like, I know. I know. Well, he's got one, so. No, no. I'm, that's my yeah. point, right? I mean, it's, it's actually in, on our, it's our Dirty Mo Media Excellent shape. The guy wants twenty five hundred bucks. It's the same size as the one I got from North Wiltsboro. Yeah, it's one of those rotating seventy six balls. Yeah, it's up right on there. a post. Yeah, no, not that one. Not that one. This one behind him. Oh, the, okay. So it's, it's not the full like ball. That, it's just like that one. Yeah. It rotates. Gotcha. But this one's in excellent shape. I'm gonna offer thirty five hundred. Let's see. Oh I'm my! Just kidding. Oh I'm just my kidding. gosh! I'm just kidding. <laughs> David Reagan. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's Let's... what I do. Like Doug, Tim Duggar and I, sort of, we both collect these old retro T-shirts on eBay, and he'll. We had to stop showing each other the ones that we were bidding of on. Of course. Cause, oh. Because yeah. the other one would go secret. Excuse me. Secretly bid on the same shirt, or just outright buy it. Hit the buy it now right, button. Right. That's a dick move. It's a same. Listen, we <laughs> know this about this it. No, he I'm, is. I mean, I'm not going not gonna to like, deny it. Man, like, well, he'd be like, oh, man, somebody bought it. And he like, knows who bought it. He'd text me, man. cussing me out. That's messed but up. But he did it, too. This is why I don't even play fantasy football with him anymore. Because, to oh, be yeah. honest with you, he was. He, he, this is not used, why you quit used, fantasy football. Use the by same the way. tactics. It, that uh, and and you would be like, hey, you know, do you want some advice on this or whatever? I would go to him thinking I'm going to a friend, and I'm like, you know what? I think uh, you know this guy on the waiver wires. You know, I'm I'm going to pick him up, and then at two o'clock in the morning, yeah, the thief in the night goes in there and takes my guy. That's when waivers open up. Yeah, I just happened to be I in the middle of the night. Him in a championship. We changed game. the league. Hey, we changed the rules, and now the waivers are are. I played him in a championship game two years ago, and. My running back got hurt, and there was the Panthers' um, running back was available, so I was going to pick him up on waivers. He told somebody else who was in like the fifth, sixth place game consolation round, the consolation to go to pick, pick up the guy that up, guy, put him on his bench. <laughs> yeah, so I couldn't get it. So oh, one time, stop. my kid was sick and bailed. And, and I'm kidding. I don't. I'm, so I'm gonna literally, make up a story yeah, this, his his running back was hurt. So I ca- I texted like four teams to pick up all the running backs that I thought would even score any points that were still on the waiver wire. And I lost. Yeah, <laughs> champion. There's an asterisk by that one. Uh, Whatever you got to do, right? <laughs> yes. What uh, is there? Is there a question here that we want to end on? Let's see here. I yeah, like this segment. one here. The yeah. most oh, okay. memorable. Um, Mike Belcher asks, "What's the most memorable hunting trip with your father?" You didn't like. You Let's, didn't like that question. 
I did, and I, there's a story actually that you have. I just didn't know if you if I asked that question. Just tell me one word. Um, it's not actually answering the question, but you told me how your dad used to hang those tree stands to where oh, he would yeah. use this. Right. <laughs> it's, it's just it just it it's so crazy yeah. to me. Okay, so I I tweeted a picture like a baby. Oh I guess, yeah, that a year picture ago. freaks me out too. So dad's in this tree stand. He's really literally what seventy five feet in the air. Every bit of it. <laughs> Way there, and I and I and I said to Dale, I said, "Shot in the dark here." Just, I know they didn't have safety harnesses back then. He I did get not it. have safety harnesses. Does he even just humor me and tell me he has like a rope around his no, waist no, or no, something? No. He goes, absolutely no. not. So Dale Earnhardt didn't have a safety rope or anything. <laughs> he was even at the top of this big tree. Yeah, it's a pine tree with no limbs. He's all the way up to the top of it. So he uh, he asked me to go. He's going to take me hunting. And I've never shot a deer. This is exciting for me to go, Dad. I'd hurt, you know. He's going. He would go hunting every single day, the of the season, every day. I mean, he as soon as the season start, you wouldn't see him for months, and it sucked. You know, you're like, "Where's Dad? You want to be around Dad? Dad's not around. Dad's hunting. Dad's racing. Dad's this. Dad's that." So he's finally going to take me hunting with him down in Alabama on this property that he's uh, leasing, and he's part of a club down there. So we go. Uh, we get ready, and we're going out to the stand. We go up to this tree, and it's dark, right? Sun's not come up yet. Um, I go to to climb up the uh, the pegs. He's got these screw-in pegs, and I can't get my foot on the se- on the second peg. I can't reach it. Like, I pull my leg up, and I'm still like a, a half a foot from the <laughs> peg. And so he had to push each foot onto the next peg, and he literally, like, pushed me up this tree right going right behind me he's got my gun and his gun loaded (laughs) no they're not loaded so he's he's pushing me up these pegs and we went up you know 40 50 feet into this tree yeah no limbs on this thing it's up there swaying i get this he sets me on the chain up that's mounted into the chain up stand there's two by fours there's only two two by fours ran to this limb <laughs> and he sits on the two by fours oh my gosh in the top of this tree all day and we did we saw uh, a big doe come out and like 150 yards and i shot it he was so excited we get down which was scary of, of course it would because um, he had to go down behind me and take my feet off to the pegs and put them on the next one i literally couldn't get you know i was too short he had put in the pegs so far apart to use the least amount of pegs possible, right? He didn't want to put every damn peg he had in the tree. So, <laughs> and how many pegs you want? You know, he's probably saved himself screwing in yeah, five. I mean, six bucks. Yeah. He, well, plus, I mean, 50 feet in the air, he saved himself screwing in five five pegs probably. Right. The work of doing that, right? Right. But so, man, that just goes, I would want more pegs. Anyways, go ahead. That's, so we, that was one story. The um the same hunting trip, uh, or at the same cabin on another hunting trip, he we had a doe come out behind the cabin on our lunch break. We got out of the stand, didn't see anything in the morning. We're sitting, uh, we're in the cabin, and Dad's like, "Get your gun, go to the bathroom." We go to the bathroom and sit on the toilet and shot this deer out the bathroom window. <laughs> I remember that. <clears throat> he thought that was funny. Um, Is that the first deer you shot? That was the second. Okay. The first one was the one in the sand that yeah. I just, yeah. the first story. Okay. 
Um, well, you haven't hunted. I've always said you haven't hunted until you shot a deer off the toilet. Yeah. You haven't. No. How many people do you think have shot a deer off the toilet? My father-in-law actually has. Really? The first. The first. <laughs> Apparently, it's a thing, yeah. right? <laughs> the first. I mean, you're gonna. If there, you'll do, you'll. You, there's no. There's. I mean, there's nothing gonna stand in your way, when you're gonna shoot a deer, and it's hunting season and you're hunting, right? Yeah, but you weren't really hunting. We were just. We were eating a sandwich. Call Truex back and ask him if he shot a deer off a toilet. Really? Just, just, to, just to mess with him. <laughs> no. No. Tweet it. Text him. Text him. Grumpy. No. no. I hear you. If you love Dale Jr., then Exalta Racing is your go-to social media account on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It brings you insider's info all weekend long on the 88 team. It's at Exalta Racing, a must-follow for any Dale Jr. fan. All right, let's go to looking ahead. Uh, we've got a busy week. Man. This, is, this week has been chock full of work. I have been going and going and going. Seems like as soon as we got home from Chicago, we never stopped. Yeah. Um, today we got a nationwide production. And we also have the Driven to Give Charity Dinner and auction tonight. There's a live auction. And there's some very, very good items. What are you bidding on? Um, well, I know last year... There's no Buy It Now feature, so nobody can swoop in on this. Oh, really? So, yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to check it out when I get there. But I, last year, I know there were about three or four items that I was battling for. They got up there pretty pretty high. But um, I did not end up taking anything home last year. No. No. I tried to bid on some Panther stuff. And I even tried to bid on the Josh Norman Redskins helmet. I wanted the Gwen Stefani Blake Shelton autographed guitar. I think somebody called in on that one. Yeah, they did. It's one of the line, one of the online. Yep. Somebody won that online or yep. bid on that online. So we got all that going on. I'm gonna actually MC this dinner. Do you know that? No. Me? Well, Kelly's gonna MC it, but we don't have an MC like last year. Last year we had Kenny Wallace. This year, me and Kelly and Amy are gonna get up there and do it. Oh, I yeah. know you have a script. Yep. So. Uh, Wednesday, we got the Wonders of Wildlife National Museum and Aquarium Gala. 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 <laughs> yeah. So That'll be fun. We're going to that. That's uh, by Johnny Morris from Bass Pro Shops. He's yep. built this, right? Yep. In Springfield. Uh, in Springfield. Yeah. So we're going to go do that. Uh, Friday, Thursday, I have a day off. I'll be damned. Well, you, oh, we got to do something about that, Tyler. What am I got, doing? You got one thing to do. Those appreciation videos oh, that yeah, we've yeah, been yeah. posting. You we got to finish those. We yep. still have a few, few left to do yep. that we're tweeting. Yep. Friday, practice and qualifying. Uh, qualifying's at 5.15 Eastern on NBC Sports Network. And Saturday, we have two practices in the morning before lunch, uh, one at 9 and one at 11.30. Uh, the trackside live show outside the tunnel at 6 p.m. We did that. You did that the first visit. The first visit. It's a lot of fun. Me and Clint Boyer and Blaney sit up there and made a lot of fun each other. Yeah. So we're going to do it again. Uh, the Xfinity race uh, is in Kentucky this weekend. This is the first race of their playoffs. So we'll be glued to the TV watching that, pulling for all our junior motorsports drivers and teams. Sunday, the race is at 2 p.m. 2 p.m., not and at 3. If, it, uh, if there's a threat of thunderstorms, it'll be at 150. <laughs> <clears throat> Eastern. No, intros will be at one. T- oh. Intros will be moved up. The the green flag, man. Really? I don't think they the- moved the intros up ten minutes and eh. didn't move the race up. Well, I don't know. It just feels like it's the same. Yeah. All right. I think this has been a good show. Yeah, it has. Uh, the race. Yeah, the race is at two o'clock <clears throat> Sunday. NBC Sports Network. Good job, Tyler. Awesome. See y'all <laughs> next week. See you.
The Dale Jr. Download and all Dirty Mo Radio podcasts are made possible by Exalta. You can subscribe to all eight programs on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and all major podcasting outlets. As always, you can listen to Dirty Mo Radio podcasts on DaleJr.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dale Jr., at Overstreet Tyler, and at Dirty Mo Radio. Also, check out the Dirty Mo Radio Facebook page. listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. 